Hello and welcome everyone to the Friday update with Mendocino County Public Health. My name is Cameron Brown and for today's schedule we'll hear from Dr. Andy Quarant, the County Health Officer, as well as a special guest, the Behavioral Health Director Janine Miller, and we'll get the latest COVID updates from them for the county. Then we'll move into taking questions from the media and we'll try and get to two questions for each outlet. And as well, we'll monitor the Facebook and YouTube live streams for any questions from the public. So let's get started. I'm gonna turn it over to Dr. Corrin. Thank you and hello everybody. Uh, I think, do we need an adjustment in the video? There we go. All right. So I just wanna let people know that our surge is uh, definitely continuing. Our average daily cases this week has been 53.79 per 100,000 per day. You may notice that I uh, reported the same last week. And during the intervening week, we did see a case rate that was somewhat higher, closer to 60. Uh, it is a bit early to tell if this is actually indicating a leveling off, uh, but we, and so we need to wait a little longer to be sure that it's even significant. The county is uh, housing 10 residents who cannot find uh, locations for quarantine or isolation. As you can see from the slide up here, um, our Northern California neighbors in Rancho, uh, that's the uh, Rural Association of Northern California Health Officers. The red has the highest cases uh, as a group than the other associations. Uh, uh, Abajo is to the south of us and that is the Bay Area, Greater Sacramento area. San Joaquin and Southern California are the other colored lines on the graph on the upper right. Um, we uh, we also show in the uh, on the lower on the on the left uh, the chart that Del Norte is the top county in cases per rate uh, cases uh, per hundred thousand per day. We are down now to the seventh uh, slot, which is an improvement over last week. Um, but it's only in comparison to our neighbors. This number is still very, very high and we're concerned about it. Um, on the hospital slide, uh, you can see that the hospitalizations and deaths show a continued rise. Hospitalizations have worsened in Mendocino County with uh, um, 32 of our residents in the hospital yesterday. And we we're also caring for six others from other counties. Uh, remember that hospitalizations follow case rates, so this increase in hospitalization rates is expected from the increase we have been seeing in case rates. Eleven of those in the hospital are in the intensive care unit, including two from out of county. Again, nearly all of the hospitalized patients are unvaccinated. Our intensive care unit beds have been filled on several days to full capacity, more than half of which are due to COVID. There were a few times last week that all of the ICU and med surge beds were full and there were patients in the emergency departments that had to wait for a bed. This morning we were told we have two open intensive care unit beds. Adventist Health has been managing by opening some surge beds and our statewide EMS system, emergency medical system, stands ready to assist us just as if we have been helping other counties. I wanna turn this over now to Dr. Janine Miller, our uh, Mendocino County Director of Behavioral Health. Uh, so Janine, if you could give us an update on what um, accommodations we have been doing as a county. 
All right, good afternoon. So um, we were uh, approached by Adventist uh, to work with some alternative options for uh, transporting our behavioral health clients, our mental health clients that are on 5150 folds to a psychiatric hospital. Current, uh, prior, our individuals were all um, transported by ambulance as this is the way the insurance company pays for that transportation. Uh, the county uh, have met with Adventist and uh, MedStar and then worked with our local provider, Redwood Community Services, to come up with some alternative ways for transport. So one of the things we now have, we'll be working with MedStar um, to see if they can transport, if they aren't able to transport uh, one of the local providers, Redwood Community um, Services or Redwood Quality Management Company will then um, I see if they can transport. The county will be a backup transporter if needed, um, but we'll be really looking for MedStar and uh, Redwood to step up and do those transports for the county. And we're very thankful that they were able to uh, accommodate and meet that need within our community. We also were asked if we could come up with a housing option for individuals that are on a 5150 fold waiting for placement at a, at a psychiatric hospital. This can take some time um, to get somebody placed as we have to present them and find uh, a facility that has an open bed and will take the client that's being presented. Uh, we were able to open an alternative care facility to provide housing for those individuals. So that facility has been up and running since Monday of this week and um, is accepting clients, um, will be accepting clients, it has been accepting clients that are waiting for placement as, at a facility um, and then we'll leave from that facility to the uh, psychiatric hospital once one has been found. So that's my update and I will hand it back to Dr. Corin. Thank you very much, Dr. Miller. So we're working closely together with the hospitals uh, to address this surge in this emergency. Um, noteworthy is that we're not seeing any decrease in the quality of care in the hospitals. The nursing uh, uh, patient staff ratios have not had to be changed, though some um, though some uh, extra surge beds have been opened up. The hospitals have also begun the process of opening infusion units to give monoclonal antibodies to high-risk outpatients to avoid hospitalization. Um, I, want to, I want, however, for everyone to consider what this means for our hospital staff who have been working around the clock with extremely sick patients for 17 months and are exhausted and burned out and continue to work heroically. Last week, I reported three more deaths from COVID and this week COVID claimed four more souls from Mendocino County. One very elderly person who passed away was initially reported to us as having been unvaccinated, but actually we found out this person was vaccinated. However, this week there were three unvaccinated uh, patients that were less than 50 years old one was only 41 years old and had no comorbidities along with their COVID and died suddenly. So no one is truly safe. And I think that uh, our young people need to realize that this is a terrible, terrible disease. We have had some small controlled outbreaks, one in the county jail, which is being tightly managed and reported no new cases with this week's testing. Another outbreak uh, was noted in our social services department in Ukiah, and they have done extensive testing with 87 tests that were all negative and the facility has been thoroughly cleaned. We've just been informed and are watching a large number of cases in Round Valley 
and we are in communication with the Round Valley Clinic, ready to lend support as needed or requested. There are some and have been some CalConnect reporting issues. Um, and so this has delayed some attention in that regard. Uh, the schools have opened. And since they have opened, we've been concerned that this could increase that this could increase our cases. We have detected 13 cases at the schools and taken precautions, including quarantine and a new modified quarantine to prevent spread. Note that all of these cases were brought in from home and there has been no cases of transmission recorded within the school. So these are well contained. So I'm feeling a little more confident that our testing and masking quarantine and other measures are working well. Last week, due to the delay from uh, the California Department of Public Health in releasing their advice, I released some advice for safe youth sports. And this coming week, I expect to update that with clarifications and additions for other after-school activities, uh, which are being added in collaboration with several other Northern California counties. A major concern now, looking back at our contact investigation data, uh, our recent outbreaks and high-risk exposures that we're seeing in restaurants and bars, which I believe is a significant cause of community spread. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, as far as vaccines go, this week Pfizer received the full FDA approval. The demand seemed to pick up uh, last week, and this week it seems like it may have decreased. These are small numbers and may, there may be some reporting delays, but it is concerning. We bring, we'll be looking more about this. Uh, if we could have the next slide, please. This shows that as of August 23rd um, of this year, 99,149 doses have been administered in Mendocino County. This uh, e equates to 64.3% of those eligible and fit or 55.2% of the total population are fully vaccinated. Uh, you can see that in the middle, uh, this middle row here. This is only an increase of about 1% per week. And at this rate, we won't have 90% vaccinated until February, 90% being the new approximation with the Delta variant to see community immunity. So we need to pick up the, the uh, rate of people being vaccinated. From an equity perspective, we continue to see the state among the lowest resource, excuse me, we continue to exceed the state among the lowest resource communities and the Hispanic population. 86% of our quartile one uh, uh, population is at least partially vaccinated, and that's compared to 76% of the state. However, in quartile two, a slightly more resourced uh, group, only 71.4% uh, has been vaccinated. And in the state, that number is 73.5%. So if you remember last week, uh, we were doing better in quartile one and quartile two. Uh, this week, quartile two fell behind. Uh, but uh, stepping back a little bit, we really want to get everybody to 90%. Uh, so it's, it's good for us, but it's, but it's not good. 60% uh, of our Hispanic residents are at least partially vaccinated, and that's in comparison to 56% within the state. However, when we compare uh, that to the non-Hispanic whites, um, in our county, non-Hispanic whites have 68% been vaccinated, uh, and uh, in California, 
This disparity is very important for us to close as we move forward. Uh, when we look at age groups, those that are not keeping up with the state average are in the 12 to 17 year old group and those over 65, the most vulnerable. However, this week, our 18 to 49 year old age group are now beating the state average. I expect more uh, as the schools open and youngsters will uh, want to take that shot uh, for uh, better access to sports and uh, social activities. Exciting news is of course that the Pfizer vaccine received full FDA approval. And I hope this will instill a lot more confidence in people who've been waiting for full approval. I would also like to add that there has never been a vaccine approved with the experience of hundreds of millions of people proving its safety and its efficacy. We hope to see Moderna approval come in the next month or so, and the Johnson & Johnson one to two months after that. The five to 12-year-old uh, olds will probably have to wait a little bit more, uh, but we're hoping in the next couple of months that we'll have a vaccine that's, improved for that, that's approved for that age group, age group. In contrast to the experience with vaccinations, many have inquired or even taken a drug called ivermectin, which is a veterinary deworming medicine. for They've taken it for COVID. This is not approved for COVID. It has frequent and very serious side effects. It is very dangerous and unproven. And I ask that the community please avoid using that. Vaccines are the most important protection. They're safe and still extremely effective. We've begun giving the approximately 3% of our population who are immune compromised uh, and may not have gotten a full response from their initial series of two vaccines, we're giving them their third doses of their primary series. Boosters. These are extra doses given for waning immunity, and they are not yet authorized. So we're awaiting more clarification on when and how to start these. These will not be needed on an emergency basis as evidenced so far, shows those with two vaccines continue to be very well protected against severe disease and hospitalizations. So we would not expect to lose that immunity overnight. However, the county is seeing the fall as a time of great need by many groups for vaccinations. These groups include those who are deciding that now is their time. The second group is the 12 to 18 year olds that have already become eligible um, uh, and they now really want to participate more freely in sports and other social activities. The third group is the five and 12 year olds uh, who've been anxiously awaiting their turn. And uh, the fourth are those who are immune compromised. As I said, we're already starting them. And then the final group is those who want boosters. All this will probably uh, uh, come to, to the fore in this coming few months. And in order to make this happen, the county is now actively planning with our partners to accomplish this as efficiently as possible using everything we all learned from last year. But I want to announce clearly today, we cannot do this alone. We need all those wonderful, generous volunteers who helped in the past, and we need some more. So if you have no skills or if you have many skills, if you speak English or Spanish, we will need you. So please uh, call NCO. North Coast opportunities to start volunteering so we know you're there to help us. Most of all, we want everyone who hasn't gotten the shot to come in before the rush. Now is the time. And I'll review our advice uh, that is for non-pharmacologic 
interventions beyond the vaccines. This goes for everyone. If you have symptoms, stay home, protect the community, protect your coworkers and family and friends and get a test. Whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, if you have symptoms, get a test because this new Delta vaccine can affect and does affect vaccinated people. If you test positive, isolate and cooperate with our contact investigation and contact tracing team for advice on how to quarantine or isolate and for housing and food assistance as needed, as well as protecting our community. If you know you've had close contact within six feet of a positive case for over 15 minutes, accumulating over a whole day, if you're unvaccinated, you must quarantine for 10 days and more if you're immune compromised or around frail or immune compromised people. And of course, if you are around them, you should continue to wear your mask indoors and outdoors. If you have a close contact with someone and you're fully vaccinated, you do not have to quarantine, but you should be very careful around elders and immune compromised people, including wearing a mask, either medical or double mask, and keep your distances for a good 14 days and self-monitor. But also new recommendations are to test at three to five days to see if you have become infected, in which case you also would need to isolate to protect others. As far as new I'm just, I think the other interpreter is not seeing that I'm here. So we're just gonna switch, sorry, go ahead. No problem, thanks for interrupting. Um, we have released orders for fire EMTs and first responders to verify vaccine status or if they're exempt, regularly test. Hospital and healthcare workers, as well as school staff are already required to do this under state orders. We're releasing recommendations for all employers now to adopt policies for their employees to verify their vaccine status or to get regular testing. Mendocino County is already working with our employees on this. Many large state and national employers are already implementing this, uh, these kind of uh, uh, human resource policies. This protects our clients, our workers, and helps ensure constant workforce to improve our economy. Remember again, the non-pharmacologic interventions for this respiratory illness, wear masks indoors in public places, and outdoors in crowds, except while you're actively eating or drinking, and then mask up right away. Ventilation is very important. Uh, that's why we um, uh, encourage activities outdoors. But mind you that enclosures with adjacent walls can trap germs. So we want those outdoor structures that people may eat in uh, to have full flow. While you're indoors, blow the fans to the outside so fresh air gently comes in. Set air conditioners to filter, but not to recirculate and use the highest filtration filters possible. Keep your distances whenever it's possible from any non-household members, both inside and outside. Gatherings is an individual choice. Try to avoid large gatherings. Keep your 15 feet of distance uh, outdoor is safer, avoid eating and drinking, or do that outside. And of course, wear masks, as I noted above, in people who are not in your household. And always watch uh, uh, hand hygiene. So in summary, COVID-19 Delta surge is continuing, and it is nearly all among unvaccinated. If you have symptoms, stay home, 
get tested, follow isolation and quarantine recommendations, and cooperate with our contact investigation, contact tracing team. We are seeing an early success within schools. However, our hospitals are becoming overwhelmed by nearly all unvaccinated patients. Our ICUs have been to full capacity, threatening care for all of us. So please get vaccinated. These vaccines are safe and effective. Now is the time. If you have been vaccinated and believe that you are immune compromised, contact your provider to arrange a third dose and see if that's indicated. And also please volunteer for the fall vaccine campaigns. Let's work together to beat this virus, stay safe and stay well. And I'll close my presentation and wait for questions from the press. Thank you, Dr. Korn, and thank you, Dr. Miller, for the updates. So we'll move into the question and answer session now with the local media. And first, let's begin with Mendocino Voice. Hi, thanks for having this and also having Dr. Miller along. Um, I was glad to hear more details about that transportation policy. Uh, so my first question is, um, if Dr. Corin could explain a little bit about how we should understand the scale of this surge. Um, and, you know, in the winter months, basically we were, there were metrics that people were using around um, percentage of testing positivity, you know, ways to kind of assess actually how many people out there um, have COVID right now or sort of what the doubling rate is or how, what we can expect in the next couple of weeks. Um, that seems to be a little bit different now given that testing and vaccination have changed the situation. Um, but, you know, we've had ongoing high case rates and now an increase in deaths. And so if, if you could just give an overview of what people might be able to expect in the coming weeks, I would anticipate this number of deaths might continue just given our ongoing case rate or what that might look like for the next month or so. Yeah, so a very good observation. <clears throat> we haven't been quoting the test positivity as much lately because when you don't have enough um, testing done generally, it's not accurate. The people who are going in are more the people who are worried about their illness and many of the tests are coming out of uh, hospitals and emergency rooms and so on. Uh, so there, it would, be, um, it would be biased toward a higher test positivity. However, we do know that there's definitely a relationship between hospitalization, ICU and deaths, and we can sort of backtrack what that means in terms of case rates. So as we see the hospitalization and ICU rates go up significantly, uh, that is really very, very important in terms of understanding our, our current case rates. So even though the, the numbers may be uh, inaccurate, they could be inaccurate either more positivity or less numbers uh, uh, with a little less um, correlation than we had in the winter. But clearly when you look at our hospitalization rates, you can see we're still on an upward trend I did point out that uh, there was a little bit of a pause apparently uh, this week, uh, and I, I don't want to make a huge deal about that because it's really too early and the numbers are too small. Um, but we expect this uh, to be this 
particular surge to probably last another month to two months, uh, then it may come down. We don't have, unfortunately, uh, vaccines up ahead of us that would really reduce these numbers. So I don't know, I, you know, and I, and I don't think anybody knows at this point what the trajectory of this current surge is going to be. Uh, so it's some of its conjecture based on what our experience was uh, last year and with other pandemics. And, uh, and, but there's a big uh, hole because we don't know what's going to happen uh, when we don't have vaccines ahead of us. That's why we're encouraging people to get vaccinated, um, which would, which would, you know, probably bring this under much more control sooner and, and inhibit the development of other variants that might be worse. Does that answer your question? Um, for the most part, thanks. I guess just to clarify, so then is it, should people expect to see sort of these same full ICUs and potentially the same, you know, the same frequency of deaths over the next month or two as well, when you say that's probably what the surge, you know, the amount of time the surge might continue? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it may get higher. Uh, we haven't, been we haven't seen for sure a shoulder uh, a tapering off of the cases uh, we've had a, a little whiff of that perhaps in the last week but I don't want to hang my hat on it it's it's much higher we're seeing more in Northern California again because we didn't see as much as the rest of California last winter so the uh, the the theory is that it may be there's some residual um, uh, immunity in the communities that were hit really hard last winter, harder than us last winter. And so we may, we may, we are probably uh, um, suffering from that now. And, and uh, so, so it, there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, we're still in a surge, uh, but there are some predictions that it'll start coming down in the next couple of months. Okay, thanks. Um, should I ask my second question or did you want to do the rotation? Let's rotate one question per outlet just so we can make sure we get everyone equally. Sounds good. We'll go back for a second round. Thank you. So let's move on to the uh, Mendocino Action News. Hello, thank you for having this meeting. I also wanna say I appreciate you guys adding um, the other information data about vaccines on the dashboard. I really appreciate that. Okay. Um, so my question is, I know last week and way in the beginning, we talked about booster shots, Dr. Korn, and you explained in a very scientific format, there's three factors in order to show this efficiency. And you were really kind of leaning towards there's no need for this booster shot. Um, but in the last week, the COVID-19 response from the White House stated that upon the FDA approval, which now we have, that starting September 20th, those that have their second shot, you know, eight months after that, they were really gonna start this booster shot. I mean, are, have your opinions changed on this booster shot at all? No, so there is more and more research being done in the United States and worldwide. Um, it's a little bit hard to interpret the, um, <clears throat> the uh, uh, difference in cases between now and several months ago, because several months ago we did not have to, uh, we weren't dealing with the Delta variant. So when you look at decreased efficacy, you can look at it 
either from the point of view of immune globulins, which do tend to fall over time, but it's not clear that that is a true surrogate of immunity or a, a true marker of immunity because there are many different immune globulins and there's cellular immunity to account also. There are some studies that are emerging. Uh, uh, one I think has come from Israel uh, showing that there is a higher case rate among certain groups of people as time goes forward. But again, uh, the, the problem with time is that we've had more and more Delta influencing the data as well. So we don't know whether it's really because the immunity is waning and that it would be that that uh, that change in case rates would be uh, solved if we gave another vaccine or whether it's, uh, whether it's due to the Delta. And since we don't have an anti-Delta specific vaccine now, giving another vaccine may not have a significant effect. So all I'm saying is the data that I've seen and that others have commented on uh, seems to be thin, that a booster shot is absolutely necessary. Uh, but we're waiting for the data to come in, and, and I, I defer to the experts on this. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Mendocino Action News. And let's see. Let's move on to KZYX. Hello. Good afternoon. This is Alicia Bales with KZYX. Um, Dr. Corin. Uh, Danila just mentioned the vaccine efficacy number on the dashboard, and I wonder if you could explain for us non-doctors and non-statisticians what that number means. It's 99.569%, which seems like a, a extremely precise number out to the thousandth place. What is, where are you getting this information, and what is it supposed to tell us? So I think what it shows is that the... Um, the efficacy is still very good. What we've done is we've looked at those people who have been fully vaccinated that, that developed uh, COVID, a positive test for COVID. And we've divided that number, and that's the first number, 210, divided that by 48,729, the number of people who've been fully vaccinated. And then we've turned that uh, into a percent. And so it shows that we really have very, very few people who have been vaccinated are having uh, positive tests. That's, I hope that that is as clear as I can make Okay, it. bear with me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> For the non-mathy people. Um, so the, the number of fully vaccinated people who tested positive for COVID divided by the number of fully vaccinated people in the county. Right. Okay. So, yeah. do you have? A, so, you must have a number of fully vaccinated people who got COVID. Yes, and that is the two hundred and ten. Okay, got it. Thanks. And I will ask my second question when it is my turn. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, KZYX. And let's take one question from the public. This is from Felicia, and she wants to know if it's safe for in-person foster care visits right now. Dr. Korn or Dr. Miller? Yeah, it, it would be, it's fine. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, we should observe, uh, you know, masking when it's appropriate, uh, but but visitation is fine uh, for, the, for the foster children. Okay, that was a pretty quick answer. So let's do one more from the public, uh, sure. from Debbie. With all the talk about the Delta being the cause of more cases, 
how many cases exactly of the Delta variant have we had in the county so far? You know, we don't do whole genome sequencing on every uh, on every uh, sample. It can't be done. The state doesn't have the labs to do that. Uh, but when we look at it statewide, uh, the numbers of Delta is, uh, or the percentage of Delta is about eight, 98%. All right, thank you, Dr. Corrin. So let's move into round two for the media questions and we'll go back to Mendocino Voice. Hi, so um, you've, we've talked on several, for several weeks now about the different statewide and the county level orders around um, certain industries or specific groups of employees or workers that are going to need to be vaccinated or tested regularly. Um, I was wondering if you could sort of just give a run through of each of those different groups and um, help us understand um, who is going to be sort of tracking this. And, you know, I don't know if these numbers are reported anywhere, um, not the private businesses, but I, you know, as an example, there are state workers and healthcare workers um, and, school staff, but then we've also talked about county employees and we've talked about fire and emergency responders. Um, and I don't know if that's each individual agency is just going to be, say the sheriff's office is going to be, uh, you know, enforcing that policy amongst the sheriff's deputies or and by what point. And if you could just kind of walk us through what's in place right now, um, on, particularly on the county level. So if you if you look at both state and county uh, requirements, um, hospital workers, healthcare workers, uh, up and down uh, the the uh, the the, the uh, however you define them, basically from outpatient clinic workers to inpatient ICU, uh, not only doctors but the staff are required to be vaccinated unless they have an exemption due to medical reasons, which are authorized by their provider or deeply held religious reasons. And then in those cases, they sign a declination and the employer is required to do that. So they're followed by the employer. Um, the same is true for school staff at this point. Um, and within the county, we have, we're making the recommendation that all employers follow a similar pattern. Um, and what we have uh, ordered within the county is the fire uh, uh, law and EMS uh, are also covered with a similar order. And it will be the individual agencies uh, that will be um, following their employees uh, and, and understanding and tracking what their vaccine status is. And at a certain point, the, the uh, employee may say, well, I'm not gonna take this vaccine. Here's my declination form. And then they'll have to show their, uh, their vaccine, uh, I'm sorry, their uh, testing result. Uh, and for the most exposed people, for example, in the intensive care unit in a hospital, it's twice a week. For others, it is uh, for the most part, once a week that they'll need to show negative testing. And in most cases, if they uh, fail to fulfill 
both of those, then they are essentially notifying their employer that they are electing to leave their position. Okay, thanks. And so is that is not currently the case though of say county employees? The county is working on that uh, uh, HR policy as we speak. Yeah. Okay, and, and just uh, one detail. So I know those each of those different uh, categories had different dates attached to them, um, but the furthest date out was maybe September 30th, if I'm remembering correctly, or do no. you know what the sort of outer limit is that those policies would be expected to be in place? Yeah, well, we've, we've made those policies uh, go into force given enough time for people to get their vaccinations because it's two doses and they're three to four weeks apart uh, and also to begin setting up testing. So the agencies are also setting up their own testing if they can't make use of the county facilities or some other facilities. The schools already have testing set up, but it's taking some time for other agencies to set it up. So we've, we've set it out with a little bit of time, so it's doable. And so that is September 30th, is that correct? Or? That it is for EMS and, uh, and fire and law. Okay, thanks yeah. so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mendocino Voice. And let's move on to Mendocino Action News. All right, bear with me here. Uh, my second question is a little complicated here, but it seems like we've had nine deaths in August. I could be off a few there. And we had like two in July, one on June 4th, and they seem a little bit more prevalent this last month. I was trying to re um, hear what you had said about how much is the Delta variant, the state number, and maybe you can re-say that as well. Um, my question is, there are still many people out there that are fearful of getting the vaccine or maybe just cautious or want more information. And if we're dividing numbers, if you will, you've had 210 post-infection cases. Um, of that, possibly two, maybe three, were uh, the, the vaccinated were fatalities. And I know right. one had, you know, comorbid conditions there. And then if we look at the other number of 5,885, um, total cases, and you know, and I don't know here, 58, 59 fatalities, that number is kind of similar when you say like, you know, one in out of every hundred cases. So, I mean, how do we, how do we tell people that this vaccine is still a good vaccine to get? Um, the hospitals want you to get it. The numbers are going up, you know, the staff are tired. Um, how do we say that, you know, this is still a, a safe vaccine to get um, the symptoms are less. I mean, what would you say to the community that's still, you know, cautious about the vaccine, seeing these numbers? Well, for one thing, let's be clear that um, um, as far as the local statistics go, um, you have to take into consideration that it's a small population, small numbers. So the numbers of people who have gotten COVID uh, in Mendocino County is still, uh, for those people who've been vaccinated, who've gotten COVID is still extremely small. Uh, we would expect with a vaccine that's 95% effective uh, to see 5%. And what we're seeing is less than 0.5% uh, 
in the community. I will say that for those people who have, uh, who have died, the number in our county who have died, who've been vaccinated is somewhat higher, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge the vaccine on the experience of such a small percentage of people. And uh, those people who have died uh, have nearly all been unvaccinated. As I said, we made a correction. There was one person uh, who was vaccinated last week who did pass along, uh, who was very elderly and did have a lot of comorbidities. Uh, and we've had others who have passed who had vaccines and they had comorbidities as well. What's new now is that we're seeing very young people who are getting very sick and have no comorbidities. And if you look at the numbers of people and the ratio of people who have uh, been um, ill, uh, who have had um, the, the, um, the vaccine versus those who have not had the vaccine, there's eight times more people who have become ill who have not had the vaccine. There's 25 times more people who have been hospitalized and 25 times more people unvaccinated who have died. The numbers of, uh, of people who've had side effects is exceedingly small. Uh, there was a lot of publicity because it was new and it was in the news and we want transparency. There was a lot of publicity uh, initially about the uh, blood clots with uh, women who have had Johnson and Johnson. And with a lot of investigation, they have found that um, that's a very small number and that it was still worthwhile uh, for all of the lives and, uh, and, and morbidity or illness that's been saved to continue to have Johnson and Johnson on the market. There was some initial concern about um, side effects um, of pericarditis with the mRNA vaccines. Those uh, illnesses were felt to be when, and again, it received a full uh, study uh, the numbers were small. The recoveries were very rapid and with little sequela, if any. Um, as far as other side effects, we were initially concerned about anaphylaxis. Uh, very few. It's turned out to be a lot more safe. Many more people are giving it in their clinics. The advice is still to observe those people for a half an hour to an hour. Um, other side effects are extremely small. And we're now actively recommending it for women who are pregnant or considering getting pregnant because the um, morbidity mortality of women who are pregnant if they're exposed to COVID is much, much higher um, if they're unvaccinated versus if they're vaccinated. And so all of the medical societies, all of the studies have shown that it is safe and it's worthwhile for every woman who is, who had, who is pregnant to get the vaccine. And in addition, the antibodies that are carried by a pregnant woman are transferred to her unborn child and probably impart some uh, immunity to the unborn child after the child is born. So that's a big deal. Uh, we also know that not only is, uh, is COVID uh, a terrible disease, uh, and now we've seen younger people get it in their, in their 40s. And people who um, have no comorbidities have gotten it. And in our county, we've seen uh, one with no comorbidities in her uh, 40s pass away. Um, 
We also see the long-term effects of COVID in those people who have, may have had serious infections, but also in those people who may have had mild infections. So COVID is not a minor disease. It has huge consequences. The, um, the mortality rate, you know, people compare it to the flu, the yearly influenza. And the mortality rate uh, from the influenza in a bad year is 40 to 60,000. And uh, in this past uh, year, a little over a year, we've seen 600,000 Americans die. Um, and that's far, it's 10 times more than the effect of influenza. And that doesn't uh, account for those who have the long COVID symptoms and other disabilities uh, that, that come from COVID. So we have monitored not only the efficacy of, this, uh, of these vaccines um, with the uh, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VAERS, very closely in the United States and looked at those very closely. So even a very small number of, um, of bad side effects and complications have been thoroughly studied. <clears throat> and uh, the numbers uh, are small and the recovery rate is very high for any kind of side effects. Uh, so it's felt to be safe uh, and it's extremely effective. As I said, it's for keeping people out of the hospital and keeping people from dying, it's still extremely effective. Does that answer your question? That was a very well thought out answer. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mendocino Action News. And then finally, we have KZYX. Hello again, this is Alicia Bales. Um, so you talked earlier about ivermectin, uh, this, de this animal deworming chemical that uh, some people who are resisting or resistant to vaccine point to as something that they can take to help them if they do end up with COVID. And I hope I would I would ask you to please um, explain some of the risks and the side effects of ivermectin. And um, if you know, uh, ivermectin is also a pharmaceutical. It's produced by a pharmaceutical company. It's not some pure nature product that you know springs from the forest or something it's produced by a pharmaceutical company and i wonder if you can kind of combat some of that disinformation or tell us how you are um, providing resources with information that's good that can combat some of this false information that people are, are getting and looking for false hope yeah so i think when people are confronted with a, a terrible disease and pandemic they're reaching for straws um, and uh, the, unfortunately, we live in a society where there's a lot of suspicion about government and the medical care system, and, uh, there's, uh, and that rubs off onto feeling of confidence about uh, the one best method to, to cope with uh, this, this epidemic. Um, ivermectin and many other things, inclu including uh, hydrochloroquine and, and other kinds of uh, therapies have been proposed and when they are looked at and they turn out to be not effective, they're not approved by uh, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. Ivermectin is uh, at this point, um, as I, I look at it in my reference, uh, usable for various different kind of parasite worm infections. Um, uh, scabies it's been used for uh, and certain other fungal infections uh, but not internal medicine infections. And um, 
it has been used in uh, in uh, veterinary practice for the same kind of thing, using it for for uh, uh, worms and other parasites. In humans, it's used for these parasites when all of the other safer things uh, have proven ineffective. And so, uh, if you if you want to bear with me for a minute, I will just look at some of the side effects. If I can pull it up here, um, see if I can go back here and. Let's get this. Dr. Corin, while you yes. do that, uh, I just wanted to note that the United States Food and Drug Association um, posted a, a tweet about ivermectin uh, recently to their Twitter page, and their Twitter is at US underscore FDA about ivermectin. Thank you. That's helpful. Um, so there are cautions if people have um, asthma or they're hypersensitive, of course, to anything in that, uh, in that uh, classification. But the uh, listed, and these are not complete, but the listed uh, side effects uh, include various rashes, fever, swelling, lymph gland problems, headache, muscle aches and pains, uh, rapid heart uh, rate, uh, other problems with the eyes, low blood pressure, liver disease, uh, and it, the, the more serious reactions, those are the common reactions. The serious reactions include low blood pressure, rapid heartbeat, seizures, uh, severe allergic reactions that include uh, rashes, but also systemic allergic reactions um, and asthma exacerbation. And I mentioned uh, a few things about the vision and hepatitis. So it's not a benign medicine. And I think people are reaching for it because of distrust in the government and the healthcare system. And I would not discount the reasons for some distrust in some people's experiences. But in this situation, ivermectin and some of these other things that are floating around the rumor mill are really much more dangerous than the vaccines. And as I said a minute ago, the vaccines are proven extremely safe and extremely effective, more so than many vaccines that we're using um, at this point. All right, thank you. Thank you, KZYX. And let's let's review one more question from Facebook. I believe you already touched on this once or twice, Dr. Corin, but this is a specific question from Susan. I want to know if I can get a third vaccine. I'm 71 and considered to have a reduced immune system. So a reduced immune system or immunodeficiency is a medical diagnosis uh, that you should go to your provider to, to, um, uh, to agree with you. And if your provider agrees that you have sufficient decrease in your immune competence, then uh, your provider so only needs to either arrange the third dose or can write a note or a prescription and it can be given at a clinic, including a county clinic. We can't make that decision in a general sort of way. It's really a decision that should be made by your provider. All right, thank you, Dr. Corn. And let's see, given it's about eight minutes to three o'clock, that would give us less than three minutes per question per outlet. So I think the best course of action now is just to, um, Dr. Corn, do you have any closing comments you'd like to give? Well, let me, I, there was a clarification that I just got that I may have misspoke. <laughs> it has to do with orders from the CDPH and also from the county. And I, I wanna be clear that um, we are 
writing orders at this point to verify vaccination status. This is for employers to verify vaccination status or test. Um, now the state orders have been to require vaccinations um, and that's coming up in healthcare and also correctional facilities. Um, <clears throat> and we're still trying to interpret some of those, but it's important that we're not mandating vaccines as much as saying we, we believe that the employers should track uh, those people with vaccines, uh, verify their vaccine status. And if they are, uh, if they're not vaccinated, uh, they can opt out if they have, um, if they have exemptions that are acceptable. And if not, then in order to continue working, they should, um, they should be uh, testing on a regular basis. Again, to keep themselves, their coworkers, the clients healthy, and also to keep the workforce strong. So uh, just in summary, um, I would say that uh, we are still in a very bad uh, situation with our current um, surge of this very bad pandemic. We have some excellent ways to address that with vaccination. And those are, uh, those are available. We're making many more sites available uh, for people to get vaccines in all of the communities around the county. We also are trying to test as frequently as possible. So if people are exposed, they can test. And uh, if they think they may have symptoms, they should test and they should stay away from uh, their usual activities in schools or at work uh, or even in gatherings and so on and so forth. You don't wanna spread this thing around. It's a very bad disease. Uh, and so uh, remember the non-pharmacological interventions, but also please, please, please get vaccinated. This is the time to do it. And that, I'll close. Thank you, Dr. Coyne, uh, Dr. Miller, and also everyone who participated today and listened in. Going forward, Public Health is going to have an update every Friday. So you can tune in next Friday, September 3rd at 2 p.m. for the next COVID update. And in the meantime, you can also check the Facebook page, the Public Health Facebook for any COVID updates in the meantime. So thank you all and hope you have a great weekend.